Good morning, everyone. It's good to have you here this morning. For the last uh, few weeks, we've been considering the topic of being loved by the beloved. And our main text has been in this series has been Ephesians chapter one, verses three through six. Hear now the word of God. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before him. In love he predestined us to to the adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself, according to the kind intentions of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, which he freely bestowed on us in the beloved. That finishes the reading of God's holy and inspired word. Now, for the past few weeks, we have discovered that we are loved by the beloved, blessed by the beloved, chosen by the beloved. And this morning, we will see that we are adopted by the beloved. And this morning, we're going to focus in on verse 5, which reads, In love... He predestined us to the adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself, according to the kind intentions of his will. Now, some people get all freaked out when they hear that God has predestined us. People struggle with the thought that if God has predestined us, then we must have lost some individual freedom. Well, let me say that God is so big, so wise, and so mighty that he can orchestrate his sovereign will while never devaluing, diminishing, or disrupting your rights as an individual. God can execute his divine purposes while never violating your personal freedom. As I shared last week, we must be entirely willing that God should be God. We must come to the point where God is God. Now, I think that it's reasonable to conclude that an all-wise, all-knowing, all-powerful God had a predetermined plan before he created the universe. And that by being God, he has the divine ability to carry out his plan. And even though I am incapable of understanding the details behind his sovereign decisions, I am comforted to know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. Amen? Our text this morning reads that he, that is God, predestined us. He predestined us. Now what is interesting, that even though this word predestined gets a lot of press, it's only used six times in the Bible. Two times the word is used to state the fact that whatever God has predestined will occur. And the other four times, the word predestined is used to describe some aspect of God adopting us as his children. The point is, is that the Bible doesn't dwell on the reasonable fact that God is God. 
I think God thinks you're smart enough to figure that one out yourself. But rather, the Bible focuses in on God's divine intentions. It seems that God wants us to know the heart and soul behind his eternal purposes. And he wants us to know that it has been his eternal purpose to adopt you as his son and daughters. You see, God did not predestine us to make us robots. He predestined us to make us his beloved children. God did not predestine us to make us less. God predestined us to give us more, more than we ever deserved and truly more than we could ever imagine. And verse 5 makes it clear that God the Father predestined us as sons because of his love and because of his kind intentions. You see it, it begins, the verse begins, in love, and then it concludes according to his kind intentions. See, God did not predestine us as sons out of some sick motivation of being some cosmic dictator. God predestined us to be his children. Why? Because of his great love that he has for us. Why? Because it was according to the kind intentions of his will. And that's all the Bible has to say about it. Because if the Bible goes into any more about it, we would not have the capability of understanding it. And so I think the Holy Spirit is saying, get this love thing, man. Get this. And if you get this and really embrace this, then you really don't need anything more. Our God is not some divine dictator trying to rob us of our personal freedom. He is a loving father who has had an eternal purpose to make us the children of God. Listen to the love notes that God has written in his word for you. God has called you his chosen people, holy and dearly loved. God himself has says, those who were not loved, I will love. He calls us brothers and sisters in his word. And there's a couple times when he calls us brothers. He calls us brothers and sisters because we're part of the family of God. Because we've been adopted. Brothers and sisters, he goes on, you are loved by God. I, I just can't, can't say it any clearer than that. And then again, brothers and sisters, who are loved by God? See what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called God's children, and that is exactly what we are, God's kids. Now, the fact that God has predestined us as his children is an expression of his divine love, as an expression of his kind intentions towards us, then this should cause us to experience great comfort. This should cause us to experience a solid assurance with our status with God. In love, he predestined us to the adoption as sons. Adoption as sons. 
Now, we will examine this beautiful truth that he has adopted us in just a few minutes. But I believe you cannot really have a true appreciation for what it means that he has adopted us as sons until we fully recognize our previous condition. We cannot have a true appreciation of our adoption of, in, as God's children until we fully recognize where we came from. Before we were God's adopted kids. And God paints a graphic picture of our previous condition in Ezekiel chapter 16. And in that chapter, the Lord describes this horrible scene where a newborn baby had been thrown into an open field and it was squirming in the fluids of childbirth. This, this baby lying in this open field was naked, gasping for life, and no one passing by, I'm telling you, no one passing by had any pity or any compassion on this abandoned child. But then, the Lord passed by. The Lord passed by, and he covers the child's nakedness. He puts the child in his arms. He takes the child and bathes the child, and then he anoints that child with oil. He brings the child then into his kingdom, adopts the child as his own, clothes the child with fine linen, silk, and embroidered cloth. He puts sandals of porpoise skin on his feet. I guess that's a big deal. He adorns the child with ornaments. He puts bracelets on its wrist and necklace around its neck and a beautiful crown on the child's head. And then on top of that, he bestows all the splendor upon that child and gives that child every access to every blessing in his kingdom. Why? Because that child is his adopted son. That child is his beloved. That child that was in an open field, naked, gasping for life, squirming its own birth fluids, is now a son with all the rights and privileges. Now, I told you this dramatic story so that you might come to understand where we came from. You might have come from a wealthy family. You might have been born into a middle class family. You might have been born into a low income family. But the fact is, all of us, all of us, spiritually speaking, were born naked, abandoned, and squirming in our own sin. And no one had any pity on us. No one had any compassion for us. We were hopeless, helpless, and worthless. <laughs> but God, rich in mercy, because of his love which he loved us, even when we are in this dreadful condition, made us alive together in Christ. By his grace, we've been saved. Amen. I really want the eyes of your heart to be enlightened 
so that you would understand that God's eternal plan has been to lavish his love upon you and to adopt you as his son and daughter. There was nothing attractive or desirable about us that prompted God to adopt us into his family. On the contrary, our sin made us repulsive. But God loved us. He reached down into the depths of our depravity. He put his arms around us. He washed us with the water of regeneration. He clothed us with his righteousness. And he anointed us with the oil of the Holy Spirit. He brought us into his sanctuary. He gives us a seat at his banqueting table. He grants us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. And he bestows all of his splendor upon us. And he lavishes the riches of his grace upon us. Why? Because he loves you. Oh, the depths and riches of the love of God. I really want to drive this point home, this term predestined describes God's loving destiny for our lives. He predestined us to the adoption as sons. Now, I like the way that the Revised Standard Version translates this verse. It says, he, de- he destined us in love to be his sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will. He destined us in Christ to be a son through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will. As many of you know, Barbara and I have four boys, two adopted and two are biological sons. When Barbara became pregnant with our youngest son, you can understand why she was hoping that this baby would be a little girl. We had the three boys and me and even the dog was a boy. Now, Barbara had given me the privilege of being able to take the lead on naming our son's first son's name, Caleb. So naturally, I thought that Barbara would give me this privilege in naming this this next child, and, and especially because it was a girl. So after considering for hours a variety of different names for girl, I finally came to Barbara with my suggestion. And I came to her and I said, I think I have the name for the child if it's a girl. I think we should call the child Destiny Dawn. Barbara looks at me and says, Destiny Dawn? You got to be kidding. What what are you thinking, man? Or what are you smoking? Well, I said, now we know the Bible says that the that every child has a destiny, and I think if we name the child destiny, it will be a continual reminder that, you know, every child has a destiny, and this child has a destiny, and, and your sister's name is Dawn, and I thought it went well with destiny, so destiny Dawn. And she says, well, it sounds like a name that you would give a female dancer. <laughs> and we are not going to name our child Destiny Dawn. Well, she had a good point. I never really thought about that, but it was a good point. And, but I still like the name, and maybe that's the reason why God uh, had our, our last child to be a boy, in case I tried to slip that one in on some birth record somewhere. But 
Back to the RSV here. I like the RSV because it emphasizes that God's destiny for us has always been that we would be his children. God's destiny for us is that we would be members of his forever family. God's destiny for us is that we would be his sons and daughters. He destined us in love to be his sons through Jesus Christ according to the kind purpose of his will. Our adoption was his idea. It was part of his eternal plan. It was not some afterthought. It was our destiny. Our destiny has always been that God would adopt us as his children. Now, unlike some theological terms that are difficult for the average person to have a clue with what we're talking about, terms like superlapsarianism, terms like uh, hypothetical universalism, terms like uh, cosmological argument. The term adoption is very easy for us to understand. God makes it so simple for us to understand his eternal divine plan. By using this word adoption, we have a complete understanding immediately of what he's talking about. See, this adoption, it describes our new relationship with God as our father. When someone adopts a child, they claim the child as their own. They bring the child into their home and into their family. They give the child their name. They care for the child. They educate the child. They treat the child like their own child because the child is theirs. As our church fathers taught us, Adoption is an act of God's free grace whereby we are received into the number and have all the rights and privileges as the sons of God. Now, God's act of adoption, he removes us from being spiritual orphans. He adopts us as his children, and then he grants that we would be heirs of an eternal inheritance. Before we were spiritual orphans, that was our original condition. We were separate from Christ, strangers to the covenant of promise, without hope and without God in the world. But Jesus promised that he would not leave us as orphans. So those of us who were all of us who were far off, God has brought near by adopting us as his children. I just want to take a pause here and and emphasize the fact that because of our background as spiritual orphans, all of us come into God's family damaged, bruised, and broken. And these dysfunctional characteristics, they do not hinder God's love for us. Nor do they diminish his desired purpose of adopting us. And these dysfunctional characteristics should not hinder us from receiving the Father's love. As I mentioned earlier, Barbara and I had have two adoptive sons, and these boys, they were seven and eight when they came into our, our family. And uh, let me just say that their childhood experience prior to that was marked by abusive behaviors. And when they came into our, our family, they were carrying a lot of baggage, not suitcases. And we were young. But we loved them, 
welcomed them into our family, gave them our name, and cared for them as our children. My point is, is because of our background as spiritual orphans, we all come into God's family with baggage. Baggage of past experiences that can weigh us down. But as God adopts us as his children, he desires that we would lay aside every encumbrance and every sin that so easily entangles us. He desires that we'd fix our eyes on Christ and receive his love. You see, the fact is, is God by his spirit works faith in our orphaned heart. We receive Christ as our redeemer and God gives us the right and privilege of being the children of God. As a matter of fact, the spirit, the Holy Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And as sons and daughters, we call God Father. Just just ponder on that one a little bit. We call God Father. We call the divine being the creator and sustainer of all things. Dad. (laughs) That's crazy. We cry out, Abba, Father, 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 Daddy, Daddy. You have to understand that Father was not just a way that Jesus told us to address the Father. Father was the way. Jesus says there's no other way to address God but as Father. Well, what right do I have to address God as Father unless he has adopted me as his son? And then I have every right and privilege to call God, Dad. Father is is God's covenant name. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And you know what his name is? Dad. Dad. And then... He removes us from being these spiritual orphans. He adopts us as children so we can call him dad. And then if children, then heirs also heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. Now, as an earthly son, I have the right to an inheritance of my father. And as many of you know, my father passed away uh, last year. And as a son, I have a right to an earthly inheritance from my father, which is a tractor. <laughs> and I don't have any place to park it. Not much of an inheritance there. But as a child of God, I have the right to an inheritance from my heavenly father. And the Bible tells us that we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to his purpose, who works all things after the counsel of his will. Spiritual orphans, adopted sons, heirs. See, the Bible tells us that eye has not seen nor ear has heard all that God has prepared for those who love him. The Bible tells us that we are seated in heavenly places in Christ in order that in ages to come, he might show us the surpassing riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ. Behold, now we are children of God, and it has not yet appeared 
what we will be. But we know that when he appears, we will be like him because we will see him just as he is. Amen. God removes us from being spiritual orphans. He adopts us as his children. He grants us an inheritance as his his heirs. But how does he do this? How does he pull this off? Well, our text tells us he predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ. Through Jesus Christ. Now, I have purposely mentioned in every sermon in this series that the Bible tells us that Jesus is God's beloved son. And he calls him his beloved son because Christ and Christ alone is the pinnacle of the father's delight. Only the son pleases the, pleased the father. Only the son brought pleasure to the father. Only Jesus Christ is his beloved son. So by placing us into Christ, the father makes us acceptable and pleasing in his sight. By placing us in Christ, as we learned last week, he makes us holy and blameless. See, by placing us in Christ, he makes us the beloved. The same love and admiration that the Father has for his beloved Son, he has now poured out upon us. God has called us to be in Christ. He justified us in Christ. He sanctified us in Christ. He is perfecting us in Christ. He will glorify one day us in Christ. And the Father calls us in Christ because only Christ was his delight. He he justifies us in Christ because only Christ pleased the Father perfectly. He sanctifies us in Christ because only his Son brought pleasure to him. The Father will one day glorify us in Christ because only Christ makes us acceptable and pleasing in the eyes of the Father. Being in Christ is the way we bring ultimate glory to the Father. This is the reason why the scripture tells us he predestined us to be conformed into the image of Christ. Well, why in the world would he do that? Because that's what gives him the most praise. His son and you being in Christ. That's how he pulls this whole thing off. It's through his son. His son brought pleasure to to the father. And by placing us in the son, the father brings pleasure to himself. In love, he predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself. Now, there's a difference between placing a kid in an orphanage and adopting a child as your own. Now, I want you to understand me. Placing and supporting a child to live in an orphanage is a very kind and considerate thing to do. As a matter of fact, God's word tells us that caring for orphans in their distress is pure and faultless in the sight of God. However, I believe that adopting a child as your own is one step higher. Why? Because that's exactly what the Father has done with us. He didn't put us into some orphanage. He claimed us as his kid. He brought us to himself. He drawed us to himself. He claims us as his own. He gives us his name. We live with him. We live in his presence. God is not some absentee father that just shows up on holidays. And he's not some orphan director that just shows up to do the books. He is our dad. 
And we live with him. We live with him. We have an intimate relationship with him and he with us. Brothers and sisters, in this series, I have attempted to show you that we are loved by God. And that God's love is not fake or fickle. It's not some sort of puppy love. That God's love stems from who he is. It stems from his divine nature. So what that means is that God's love is infinite, eternal, and unchangeable. What that means is that God's love is endless, everlasting, and forever constant. And what we've seen in the last four weeks is that we are loved by the beloved, blessed by the beloved, chosen by the beloved, and adopted by the beloved. And my call to you today is to embrace the love of God that has been fully demonstrated by sending forth his son to die for you. Does the good news that God loves you, does that make your heart feel warm inside? Does the good news that God loves you so much that he would do something so infinite, eternal, and unchangeable so that it would make a solid fact that you will be forever his kid? And he did that by sending his son? Well, why don't you just embrace Christ today? Won't you just admit that you are that child laying in in an open field? And nobody's having pity or compassion on you. But the Lord is passing by this morning. The Lord is passing by. And he's reaching down to pick you up. Claim Christ this day. The Bible says believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. And this morning I'm calling you to believe in Christ and confess with your mouth that Christ Jesus is Lord. Become a child of God today. I'll pray in just a minute and you can, if God is drawing you to himself, you can pray along with me. But all of us need to know that after the apostle spends this time in these short verses telling us the ways that we're loved by the beloved, he concludes by writing to the praise of the glory of his grace, which he freely bestowed on us in the beloved. And I'd like for us to close out this series by giving God the praise that he deserves. The praise that he deserves for loving us, blessing us, choosing us, and adopting us. What I'm doing is I'm challenging you this morning to let go. To let go and rejoice and be glad. Give him glory today for his grace, which he's freely bestowed upon us. In the beloved. In the first part of the book of Revelation, there's two worship scenes where there's multitudes upon multitudes of of people. It's basically God's kids. And they're shouting praises to him. It's, It's a majestic scene. And one of the things that we will say on that day, and we can get a little bit of a dress rehearsal this morning, is to declare... To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray.
Oh, Lord God, we come to you today overwhelmed by the truth that you have loved us with an endless, timeless, forever constant love. Lord, we are overwhelmed with the beauty of your love and how you have demonstrated that love by sending forth your Son. Lord Jesus, I accept that you are the beloved of God, that you've done all things to please the Father, that you and you you alone have done the things to save me from my fallen condition. Jesus, come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. Claim me as a child of God. And as a child, Lord, we come to you. As your children, we come to you today. and We pray that you would forever make real into our hearts your love for us. We pray, Lord, that you, Lord, would be, receive the glory and the honor and the blessings that you deserve. For your love is forever real. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.